office bearer, bearers three weeks ago now, um, mostly elders, and I preached on uh, the eldership that evening. And then also we had one, one deacon uh, who was installed and ordained that evening. And so I said at that time that I would preach in the future on deacons, and so that is uh, this night. And so we want to look at this passage as it tells us a lot of great things about uh, the office of a deacon. And as we read earlier from 1 Timothy chapter 3, also another amazing list of different qualifications that we see there for the office of deacon and the many different things um, uh, that, uh, that are involved with that. But if you think that the office of a deacon solely consists on making sure that the heat is turned up when we come in on Sunday and the light bulbs are changed when they go out, then you are sadly mistaken. And I hope you'll be much more informed uh, when you leave here tonight as the office encompasses a lot of different things. They are, I don't know if your house had this when you were a kid or maybe you have one right now, but there is uh, something in most kitchens called the junk drawer. The junk drawer. Did anybody have one of those? It's just a catch-all for things. And that's that really is, with no disrespect to our deacons, um, equating them with junk or anything, it's, it is a catch-all for so many different things within the church. And so that is the, the point of that illustration. But let's read now from Acts chapter 6, uh, verses 1 through 7. Now in these days, when the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint by the Hellenists arose against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. And the twelve summoned the full number of the disciples and said, It is not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. Therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of the spirit and of wisdom, whom we will appoint to this duty. But we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And what they said pleased the whole gathering. And they chose Stephen, a man full of faith, and of the Holy Spirit, and Philip, and Prochorus, and Nicanor, and Timon, and Parmenas, and Nicholas, a proselyte of Antioch. These they set before the apostles, and they prayed and laid their hands on them. And the word of God continued to increase, and the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests became obedient to the faith. Let's pray. O Lord God, as we come to this passage, we ask that you would Give us eyes to see that you would illuminate us by your spirit and that you would help us to see the, the great calling that deacons have in your church as your servants. And we pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Well, when I was in high school, I was not very good at math. And you can imagine if you were a young person similar to me that as you, as you went through the school system, and uh, you went through tri trigonometry and, and various things and perhaps grade 8 or 9 and 10 and, and things might have been going along well. But for me, I started to lose things a little bit. You know, the sine and the cosine and the tangent, they weren't too bad. But once you got to mostly, mostly letters instead of numbers, I really lost uh, traction in my uh, academic pursuit, in my, in my math uh, career. So I left that behind and I pursued sports and I left that to all the different nerds who are in, in amongst the class. And I know we have some nerds here who are really good at math. And, and so to compensate for my weakness in math, I married a math teacher. So Tammy did a math degree, Bachelor of Science in Math at uh, SFU. 
and was, has been a math teacher for many, many years. Um, so when we look at the book of Acts, that's one of the things that we see there. We see God's math. We see God's addition. We see God's multiplication of people. And we see the early church that began as 120. By the time uh, Peter had preached at Pentecost, the church is in the thousands. And we see that in Acts chapter 2 and verse 41. There were added that day about 3,000 souls. That's quite a sermon, isn't it? 3,000 souls added to the church. Amazing. And then we see in Acts 2.47, the Lord added to their numbers day by day those who were being saved. And then also in our passage, we see this multiplication that the Word of God continued to increase and the disciples multiplied greatly. But as much as God is at work in blessing the church and in multiplying and doing these different things to see the gospel advance, we see Satan is also active in the early church. He's active in persecution. He's active in deception. We see that in Ananias and and Sapphira. And so what does God have to do with Ananias and Sapphira? Subtraction. And he takes them out of the fellowship. They drop dead right there on the spot for their deceitfulness. And so Satan has his different schemes and the Bible tells us that we are not to be ignorant of his schemes. And one of his other schemes is division. And that's what we see unfolding for us in this chapter here in Acts chapter 6. Division, complaining, murmuring of one group against another. And it's affecting the ministry and the focus of the church. And so the apostles had to deal with it. And so the answer became organization. They had to be more organized in order to combat this division and this promise or this uh, problem that was arising. They They were organized by groups of individuals given specific callings. There were elders and there were deacons, organized servants in the church of our living God. And so there are many people outside the church that that say that they don't like organized religion. They don't like organized religion. Religion. I guess they prefer disorganized religion, but when it comes to us within the church, we should love an organized church. God loves an organized church. All things are to be done decently and in good order. 1 Corinthians 14 and verse 14. And so Presbyterian church government gives us that structure. It gives us the order to be able to, to function in the church well and to serve people well. And the problem that existed here in chapter 6 was fixed by the Holy Spirit leading, leading the elders, leading the apostles to be able to, to organize things in a way that solved this problem. And so there was a concern that arose. There was this murmuring that arose, this complaint that arose, and the apostles wanted to solve that in order to serve people. And there's at least four different things that we see here um, concerning uh, the office of a deacon and And the first is that there is a need for deacons. Every church has a need for deacons. The second is the work of deacons. The third is character of deacons. And then the blessing of deacons we see unfolding for us in this passage here. And so first of all, the need for deacons. Now in these days, when the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint by the Hellenists arose against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. Here we see the problem, neglect. There was things that weren't happening. 
And so that problem had to be dealt with. The church is growing. They're being blessed numerically and the followers of Jesus Christ are increasing in number in the fellowship of the church. But with that blessing of more and more people came this problem of some being neglected. The complaint by the Hellenists arose against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected by the daily in the daily distribution. So God calls the church to care for widows and orphans. We all know that, right? We are to care for widows and for orphans. And really, we're to care for all people and all needs that arise. But those are two specific areas. And the early church took this seriously. They wanted to care for these widows. And and so they are gathering up this daily distribution. So perhaps money, perhaps food, other goods, this distribution that they would give to share with these widows in order that they would be taken care of. Because in that time, it was very, very difficult for widows. And so what happened is we have these two different groups that are coming together. There are the Hellenists, so the Greek-speaking Jews that are, that are coming from the, the dispersion. And so they're gathering back in Jerusalem at this point in time. These widows are coming to the city center and they need to be cared for. And then there's also the widows that are already there in Jerusalem. So the, the, the Hebrew or the Aramaic-speaking uh, Jews that were already there. So two different groups of Jews, cultural differences that they're coming with, Greek uh, versus uh, Jewish. They're coming and they're mixing together. And so this complaint arises because the, they are, they're feeling as though they are being neglected. The Hellenists are being neglected. And so there could be a number of different reasons for that. We don't know exactly why. It's probably some sort of oversight. I don't think it's a, a something sinister that's going on, but there could be these cultural differences that are happening, language barriers that are happening. And so whatever the reason, this problem exists. And the apostles recognize that in order for them to solve this particular problem by themselves, they're, not, they're going to create another problem. If they are going to solve the problem on their own, they're going to create another problem. The text tells us that that would be the neglect of the Word of God, that they'd be failing in the area of preaching and teaching the Word of God if they were focusing on the serving of tables. And so that is the problem, and the solution becomes deacons. The recognition of that problem and the solution to the widows being neglected is found as we move along through the passage. It is the appointment of deacons. And so let's look at verse 2 now, the work that they are called to do. And the twelve summoned the full number of the disciples and said, it is not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. So the work of a deacon is to serve. That's what they are. That's what the word literally means. Deacon means servant. And every church needs deacons. Every single church. This early church needed deacons. We need deacons. Every single church needs deacons. And they have a wide, wide range, as I mentioned, a wide range of different duties that they do. The office is one, as our our book of church order says, it is one of sympathy and of service. Sympathy and of service. Now, what does that mean? Yes, they are to keep the building and the grounds uh, functioning well and in good repair Yes, they're to administrate various financial things within the church body, uh, benevolence fund, but also the book of church order says that they're specifically to care for those in distress, the sick, the needy, and the friendless, the distressed, the needy, like these widows that we see here in Acts chapter 6. That's the office of the deacon in a PCA church. 
It encompasses a wide range of different duties. It's not an office of rule and authority that's given to the elders. It is an office of sympathy and of service to look after those who are in distress, the sick, the needy, and the friendless. And so it encompasses a wide range of different things. Now, does that mean that the rest of us don't need to serve? That we're all off the hook? We don't need to do anything? The deacons are now going to do it all? No, it just means that they are specially called to this, to this office of servant, to be uh, servants within the Lord's church. And many of us can come alongside of that and help them in those different areas of service that they are involved in. It is a challenging and it's an important service to the Lord and to the church. And this church and every church needs deacon. Why? Why? Well, the passage tells us a couple of different reasons why. One is because the administration of the Word of God is so important. The elders, the apostles here in our passage need to be freed up to be able to preach and to teach and to encourage and to challenge and to to convict from the Word of God. The Word of God is the ordained means by which God saves sinners and strengthens saints. And so that can't be neglected. It can't be set aside. The elders can't be busy doing uh, deaconing work um, and then neglect that side of of the, the office that we have as elders. So the apostles were to be devoted to prayer and to the ministry of the word. We see that in verse 4. They're called by God to labor in preaching and in teaching and in prayer. And then the second reason why every church needs deacons is because our ministry of mercy as a church body is that important. We can't fail in that either. We have to do both these things. Galatians 6 and verse 10 says, let us do good to everyone and especially to those who are of the household of faith. Notice what the apostles don't do in the passage. They don't say to these Hellenist widows, they don't say, well, well, that's just too bad. We're going to focus on the ministry of the word and on prayer and all these other things. Well, you're just on your own. No, they realized they had a responsibility to them as well. They looked for a solution because they knew that they had to fulfill both of these responsibilities. And they also knew they couldn't do it on their own. And so they needed deacons. They needed to ordain these men to this work, this great work, in order for these other people, these other needs to be taken care of. They said, we have to preach and pray. We have to ensure that people are well taken care of. These are are people that the Lord has bought and purchased with His blood and they need to be well taken care of. We can't fail in that. We must do that. We have to serve the Word to the people to meet their spiritual needs. And we also have to serve food and other other goods to these widows in order for them to be uh, taken care of physically. So these physical needs, spiritual needs must be taken care of. And how are they going to do that? Well, the answer, of course, in our passage is the ordination of these deacons. The solution was deacons. The church needs deacons because both the ministry of the word and the ministry of mercy is that important within God's church. So deacons, that's the solution that we see here. Thirdly, let's look at character of deacons, the character, the calling of deacons. We see much of that in 1 Timothy chapter 3. And again, this is the establishment of the office of deacon, the initiation of this office. And it's full-blown more more, uh, fully uh, within that passage and within uh, the early church later on in later stages. So here is just the institution of it. 
Verse 3, Therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of the Spirit and of wisdom, whom we will appoint to this duty. So they were nominated by the congregation, just as we did uh, several weeks and months ago. Nominated by the congregation and then affirmed by the apostles. That is the way that they went about this. Select deacons, we will ordain and appoint them. Laying hands on them, setting them apart for this ministry within the church. Now what should deacons be like? Well, these verses tell us that they should have a good reputation. They should be people of honor, honorable people. They model Christ-like character. They're full of the Spirit. They're yielding themselves to the Holy Spirit. They're filled with the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control. Why? Because they are servants in Christ's place within Christ's church. Serving His people in a ministry of mercy that places a priority on people over things. That's the office of a deacon, placing a priority on people over things. Yes, they are involved with things. Yes, they change light bulbs, but they are to be involved with people. It is a a ministry of mercy that they are involved with. So they must rely on the Holy Spirit to strengthen, to guide them, to be men who are full of wisdom, to make good decisions, to have discernment on what needs there are and how best to meet them. And notice here in this list, that we don't see any specific skills that are involved. The person doesn't have to be an administrator. They doesn't have to be a construction worker. The person must be a person of character. Character is emphasized over skills and talent. They must have godliness. They must be Christ-like. And when they are, we read earlier in 1 Timothy 3.13, tells us that those who serve well as deacons, so those who are Christ-like in their service, as deacons gain a good standing for themselves and also great confidence in the faith that is in Christ Jesus. So they become an encouragement to the church body and the church body becomes an encouragement to them as well. And also when deacons serve well, there's many more blessings that we see within the church body and we see some of those take place right here uh, in verses 4 through 7. The blessing of deacons, blessing in the Lord's church, verses 4 through 7. But we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the Word. So again, we need deacons to serve people's physical needs so that the the elders can serve people's spiritual needs. And what they said pleased the whole gathering. And they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and full of the Holy Spirit. We'll see, we'll read about uh, uh, Stephen in the next chapter in the book of Acts. And then Philip, we see him later on in the book of Acts. These other five men, we don't see any more of. They're, they're gone from uh, the pages of Scripture. Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenas, and Nicholas, a proselyte of Antioch. These they set before the apostles and they prayed and they laid hands on them. These are the men that were ordained into that early church. Now what was the result of all of this? Okay, this is where things get really exciting for me. And when I see this happening and taking place within Scripture, it excites me greatly. And when we see this in the local church, it should excite us greatly. Verse 7, we see the results when this is happening. And the word of God continued to increase. And the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem. And a great many of the priests became obedient to the faith. So here we see the blessing of deacons within the church body. 
more addition and multiplication. More of God doing His math within the church. There's three different blessings here that we see. The first is that the Word of God continued to increase. The Word of God was spreading. It was moving. And of course, when that happens, we see the second blessing that takes place here. What's the next one? It's what we might expect. The Word of God spread and the number of disciples multiplied greatly. As this church goes through this process and they install deacons to care for these people in need and God wants His people to be cared for, And as this church sought to do that faithfully, God blesses the church. The word of God spreads. The gospel advances. People are saved and the church is growing. And so much so that the third blessing that we see here at the end of verse 7, which is a really exciting part of this passage, quite astounding. The third thing that we see here is something that we may not expect. And I think that is why Luke highlights this. Because it is a great thing to highlight within the early church and a great many of the priests became obedient to the faith priests were converted it's an amazing thing that we see here think about the priests at this time they are laboring in the temple they're laboring in the synagogue they're doing all these different sacrifices they're doing their offerings all these ministration of their duties they are firmly entrenched in judaism they're firmly entrenched in the self-righteous law-keeping. And yet we see that some of them became saved. Some of them believed. Some of them came to Christ. And you can imagine how unlikely that would be to see this happening and going on because when a priest uh, converted to Christianity, what did that mean? He left his livelihood. Perhaps he had to leave his family behind. Perhaps he he was a priest and his father was a priest and so on and so on all the way back. So there was a high cost for him. And that's what being a disciple, a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ is, isn't it? There is a cost associated to following after the Lord Jesus Christ. As that old hymn says, the world behind me, the cross before me, no turning back, no turning back. That is the life of a disciple, a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. We leave things behind. And that's what it was like to be a Christian in those days. There was a high cost. You could be heavily persecuted. You could lose your livelihood. You could lose your life. You could be beaten up. And we see that unfolding in the book of Acts. A high cost to embracing Jesus. And yet these priests did. They embraced the Lord Jesus Christ and they left all of that behind. Why? What would move them to do that? And it's because they saw a church that was being a church. It was because they saw elders being elders, deacons being deacons, and the church loving and caring for one another. For the widow, for the distressed, the sick, the needy, and the friendless. They saw believers living out the words of the Lord Jesus Christ, as we heard this morning from John 13.35. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. They saw this taking place and they didn't see anything like it in Judaism. And they left it all behind because Jesus is worth it. What a witness this church was as they fulfilled all of these different uh, demands that were upon them, serving people 
and fulfilling these obligations they had as office bearers, the priests saw that it was undeniable and a great many of priests became obedient to the faith. What a witness the early church was in these matters. And they, they saw that the church loved the Lord Jesus Christ. They saw that the church loved one another and served one another. And so they left everything behind. Now, as you sit here tonight, what do you need to leave behind? Bitterness, anger, resentment, self-righteousness, pride, unbelief, a habit, a vice, an addiction. What do you need to leave behind? Is Christ worth it to leave it behind? Maybe you need to leave the world behind and embrace Christ for the first time like these priests did. To come in faith and repentance and come to the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior. Christ is worth it to do that and to come to Him. And so these priests thought so and they obediently followed. And how did it happen? Because God is a God of order. And He has structured and ordained that His church has office bearers, elders and deacons. And when they are faithful in their duties, when, they, when things are done decently and in good order in the local church, He will bless them. He blesses that. He will bless the church and it will be a witness to the world. And we see here in this passage the importance and the impact that deacons are to have in the Lord's church. What a great and wonderful thing it is. They go serving tables. They go serving these, these widows. And that might sound like a very, very menial thing to do. And yet look at the result as it unfolds in the passage. With multitudes coming to the Lord Jesus Christ and even priests giving their life to Christ. And so we need deacons. Pray for our deacons. Pray that God will add more deacons. Pray that we would serve this congregation well and that God would be glorified. And as mentioned, the word deacon means servant. And in their example, they are to point us to the chief servant, the Lord Jesus Christ, who is a servant par excellence, the greatest servant who ever walked this earth. And he didn't come to make himself nothing in this world so we could make ourselves something in the church. We are to be servants in the Lord church. He made himself nothing. Taking the form of a servant, he humbled himself and was obedient to death, even death on a cross. Let's pray. Oh God, we do thank you that you ordain office bearers in your church for the good of your people and that you would be glorified. And so we pray and we ask that you would bless our elders, bless our deacons and help us to serve this congregation that has been bought and paid for by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, that we would serve and serve well and be able to care for people and the various needs that we have within our midst, the many needs within our midst. And we know that you love these sheep and you care for these sheep. And so we ask that you would help us to love and care for these sheep as well. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.